and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Welcome Pastor Tyler up as he comes to give the word. Amen. Come on. Man, I'm so excited to be here um, and to share with you guys this morning. I love coming here. I would come to this church even if I wasn't on staff. Amen? Because this church is just healthy. It's one of the most healthy churches I have seen in a really long time. Um, My wife and I just got done walking through like a really hard season. Some of you who are close to us kind of know what was going on. And um, you can even just check out like uh, some of our social media stuff we're going to be sharing about it. Because I think it's important for pastors to actually share some of the yucky stuff in their life. We have too many whitewashed walls and clean cups on the outside, and the stuff's just nasty on the inside. So, but when we walked through that hard season, the leadership here like, was just like nothing I've ever seen in my life at a church. We were able to bring just ugly like, things in our heart, just things we were dealing with from life, and what we were met with was just love and acceptance. And so some of you may have never even seen that side of our church, but I just want you to know that the leadership and the people here who are kind of pushing the thing forward, have pure hearts and clean hands. Amen? And they can touch you, and you can trust them. We were talking about this on Wednesday. We were releasing a couple prophetic words and just doing some body ministry. And I just said, thank you so much as a body for trusting us as leadership to, like, minister to you. And the reason I feel so comfortable with people ministering to you is because they've ministered to me. And it's been healthy. Amen? So we just have an amazing church. Come on, give it up for our church here. Come on. So good. Hey, well, I have, I have, a, I have some places I want to go today. Um, so I want to jump right in. But um, if you don't know me, my name, is, my name is Tyler. You can call me Pastor Tyler if you want, if you're old school. But uh, I'm just Tyler. And um, I feel like I have a burden this morning to bring some clarification and alignment to some of the stuff we've been walking through as a body recently. Um, if you've been coming here for any length of time, you've heard us use words like Levite, Levitical lifestyle, Levitical priest, um, things like that. And, and I know um, there's a tendency in churches, especially in charismatic ones, for us to use what I like to call high language, just this high spiritual language, and it not to really mean anything. But I want to encourage you this morning that what we're actually talking about has real and tangible applications in your life. (laughs) We'll be there by the end, I promise. Um, The Levitical lifestyle is not just something that sounds really cool in a sermon on a Sunday morning. This is really where the Lord is calling not just Gio and me and Kenny and Covington, whoever else, but he's calling you as a body. If you call this your home, and some of this is going to be kind of a home chat, fireside chat with some of the people who call the buy at home. But I'm trying to, I'll bring some things in to make it applicable to everybody. But this is really where he's calling you. If you call this place home, he is calling you to a Levitical lifestyle. And I feel the Lord impressing on me to kind of bring that into um, some tangibles for you this morning. To bring it into where you can kind of wrap your hand around it and understand what's happening. Amen? You excited? Okay, yeah, come on. So um, it's really important, I think, for us to start about why we even are doing this. And I want to do a little bit of teaching in the beginning, just for a couple minutes, and then we're going to get into the meat of what we're going to talk about a little later. It actually came through a prophetic word. And I know in a room like this, um, a lot of you are probably like superstars with prophetic words, and you know exactly what that means. And, but there's probably some of you who are really unsure or not really understanding of what a prophetic word may be. Maybe you're not used to this kind of stuff. And so I want to just explain a little bit about prophecy and what prophetic words are. Pastor Gio had a prophetic word come to him one day while he was reading the scriptures, and um, it really sparked this, this seed in his heart for a Levitical community. And um, so I want to kind of explain what a prophetic word is. Um, a prophetic word, as we understand it from Scripture, from the Old Testament and especially the New Testament, is really where we take God's word, his, something that God would like to see done on the earth, and God will speak that thing through a person. 
Okay? So you remember that moment where Jesus is preaching or teaching and he says, the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he says, um, thy Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Okay. God's reality, or God's desire is to make his reality the reality on earth. Right? That's why at the very end of everything, he's going to make a whole new earth. He's going to go ahead and do it. But he wants to go ahead and start that process now. Okay, and so if you think about it like this, when you go to the bank teller, the drive through that little suction cup tube thing, which is always awesome. I always like, thought that was the best thing as a kid. And when they forgot your suckers, it's like, man, what are you, what are you even doing here? Okay, <laughs> come on, please. Like, have a brother out. Um, but that tube, if you can think about it, carries like the word of God and the tube is you. You are the tube that delivers the word of God. So like God uses people to deliver his word to other people and to regions into the earth. Amen. So what he will do is he will deposit a prophetic word, which is like, hey, I want the earth to look like this. I want this person's life to look like this because I love them, because I care about them, because it's my will. And I'm going to deposit this little nugget of truth of what I want to happen in the earth. I'm going to put it into a person, Geo, and then he is going to declare it out, give it to the person in the car. Make sense? Okay, and so that's really simply what a prophetic word is. Okay, it's literally God's word being spoken through a person to change things in real time on the earth. There's a couple of different kinds of prophetic words. Just really briefly, there's foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling would be a lot what we see in the Old Testament. Like when you have uh, kings with dreams and they're interpreting them like, hey, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. This is going to happen no matter what. This is the Lord is giving us an insight to the future. That's one type. There's also forth telling where this is what I'm more talking about this morning is where God says, hey, I desire for this to happen. And I'm going to speak it to my people. And then I want my people to take the seed and then to apply it to their life. And then we can co-labor and see this thing produced in the earth. Amen. Does that make sense? So like when you think about what Jesus talks about the seeds falling on the road. Right? Those can almost be taken as prophetic words. Okay? When, when we allow our hearts to have good soil and to, and to um, allow that seed to ruminate that soil, God can bring forth increase. But when we allow hardened hearts or when we don't even speak out the word, the seed falls dead. Amen? And so some of this stuff is actually dependent upon your participation in the prophetic word. We don't like to hear that a lot, but prophecy is often spoken by the Lord and he wants his people to grab hold of that prophetic word and run with it. But when we don't, we actually fall, we can fall short in the, in the prophetic words of the, you know, this is, this is the reason why. In charismatic circles, everybody's called to stadiums. You ever hear that? Like everybody, I just feel the, the Lord's called me to the big, the bold, the this. And you sometimes you, I've heard people say, you know, why is God calling everybody to stadiums? Because only about 1% actually do something with it. <laughs> only about 1% of those people who the Lord calls to the big and the bold actually will equip their faith to go do something with it. So the Lord's casting seed everywhere. And he said, somebody's going to grab hold of it. 99% probably won't, but somebody will. The Lord's just looking for one person to do something with the word he's given. Amen? Okay. Prophetic word. So that's how, that's how we got here. One of the interesting things about the prophetic word that we received is that it really wasn't anything new. This happens a lot with prophetic words. It's how we can actually judge them. First Thessalonians says, um, uh, uh, hold fast, test all things, and hold fast to the things that are good. Okay, so... When we got the prophetic word, it really wasn't anything brand new. It was really more of an alignment and language to the things that was already in our hearts as leadership. Geo and Destiny, when they were in Africa and after that, were already being spoken to about having Jesus be the main thing and ministry unto him being the main thing. Meanwhile, Tiffany and I are halfway across the state leading you know, a group of 12 young adults from Sometimes we would meet at 8 in the morning, 8, 8 p.m. to like 2 a.m. in the morning and just worship and ministry under the Lord. 
the Lord was already doing things in our hearts. And so when the Levitical prophetic word came, it was really just alignment and language to what he was already doing in all, the, all of our hearts here. And I see that even in people sitting in the crowd, not just the staff. I think about the Cabreras sitting right there, like their hearts for the last five or six years or however long, the Lord has been positioning them and to come into a Levitical lifestyle. Some of the other, some of you in here, I've heard your stories and you have come here at such a, and this is such a cliche scripture, but it's really good for such a time as this, because he's positioned you for a Levitical lifestyle. He's, this is not anything new. He has really given you language for what he's been doing in your life for the past 10 years. I think about Amy, like what he's done in your heart for the last however long, like this is alignment. This is positioning Andrew. I mean, I, the list goes on about how many people when they walk in, they're like, this just feels like home because it is. The Lord is calling us through this prophetic word into a Levitical lifestyle. And uh, I want to give some, like I said, I want to give some, some context for that, but I do want to kind of like take care of some things as a, as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a, somebody over the house, we get to kind of feel things. Some of our sheep are feeling, amen. The Lord gives us insight. Jesus, when he says he looked out and he had compassion because they were sheep without a shepherd, he could feel their lostness. Amen. So sometimes I can kind of feel some of the, the things that are rumorating on in people's hearts. And I want to speak to at least just one of those things this morning, uh, really briefly before we kind of dive in. Um, I feel like when, whenever we talk about um, things like a direction that our church is going, there can be this thought of, well, that's great, but shouldn't it look like this too? Like shouldn't, okay, we're going to go minister to the Lord, but how does evangelism fit into that? Does that make sense? How does, how does teaching the word fit into that? How does whatever, you name it, fit into that that mode. We can't just do that. It has to be everything and everything has to be equal. And I want to kind of just break down that just a little bit this morning. Okay. Um, so, and I'm, I'm happy. I, I don't, if you guys are going to be silent, that's okay. Cause we all are silent as we're chewing. So I hope you're chewing and not napping. Cause we're silent when we're chewing and napping. Cause as long as you're chewing, I'm good. You napping like, okay. One brief uh, story. Um, I used to be a, a, a teacher at a school. Yeah, you can believe it. Um, they were desperate. Uh, it was a Christian school. And um, one of my, it was, a, it was fifth grade. Now looking back, it sounds way worse. It was fifth grade. Um, and one of my students was having problems staying awake in class. And um, I was like, let me try something that one of my high school teachers used to do. We all thought it was hilarious. And it'll get a good laugh. He'll wake up. It'll be great. Um, and one of the things my old high school teachers used to do is when a student would fall asleep on the class, he had this big ring on, metal ring. He'd go and slap the desk so hard. And then the kid would jump up. He would slap the kid's desk. Um, and he would jump up. The whole class would laugh. The kid would laugh. and go on to the day. He'd wake up. So I'm like, this is a great idea for this fifth grade class. This little kid's sleeping. And I go over. And I, I mean, I smacked it hard. Like, I'm surprised it didn't break. Um, the whole class laughed. He cried. Okay. He cried. It was... Oh, come on. I thought you were going to laugh. I feel bad now. It was terrible. Um, I felt really, really bad. Okay, I have so many stories from teaching. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to go into all of them, but like that was terrible. I won't do that to you, but please chew. Don't sleep. Amen. So um, <laughs> ministries don't all have to look the same. Churches don't have to look the same. Some of this actually comes from a skewed view of what the church actually is. <laughs> Some of this actually comes from something called denominationalism. And it's actually, you think I have glasses on and I can look at my beautiful, praise God, wife, Tiffany there, and I can see her. But when I put my glasses on, my vision of her changes just a little bit. And so we can be looking at the church, but if we put the, the lens of denominationalism on, our view can change a little bit. And some of why we struggle with churches looking different is because we actually don't see the church as a global whole or a regional whole church. We see the church as, hey, this is the church. And that other church down the road is the church. It's actually not the case. The church is a body of people. Is, <laughs> 
The church is a bride who will one day put a ring on and marry Jesus, the son of God. A church is not this building. I, it's kind of funny. I mean, we, we do have reverence for our building. We have an amazing, even cleaning team. But you understand, this is not the house of God. This building is not the house of God. This is the house of God. God does not dwell in this building. He can dwell in places like this, but he has made his home in my heart. He has made his place here. So many churches are worried about what pictures are going to have on the wall and making sure that they have the right stuff here, and yet the inside of the cup is dirty. But So ministries don't have to look the same. If you can remember back to David when he's taking the Ark of the Covenant, this is a great, great lesson for us as ministers. He's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back and he puts it on this, this cart pulled by oxen, okay? And he's pulling the cart and the Ark and it falls and somebody picks it up and he has to learn the hard way through somebody dying that ministry unto the Lord doesn't rest upon a machine, it rests on people. And he had to learn that actually the Levites and the priests were the one who actually had to carry the ark. And so ministry in, in a church like this doesn't rest on the church itself. It rests upon people. Does that mean, am I, am I clicking? Okay. It rests on people. And so if I were to ask you, do our people called to different things? You're like, yes, of course. We see that. We see that in Ephesians. He says some apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. Okay, there's, there's the fivefold ministry. Everybody's called to different things. So it's, it makes sense to think that different houses, this is not the church, this is a house that contains part of the body, that different houses would have different expressions. Amen? Does that make sense? And so think about it like this. I was trying to think about a way I could, I could picture this. I'm a very visual person. I like pictures. They help me. Think about like a pie chart in school. Everything needs to be on the pie chart. But our pie chart in the crossings pie chart will look different. Amen? And that's okay. Some churches will have such a burden for evangelism. And they may have less a burden for an hour and a half long worship set on a Sunday morning. And that's okay. Part of the problem we get into is, as believers, especially when we get really excited, we start to think that our calling is the only calling. When you start to think that the calling the Lord has put on your life is the only calling, then you'll start to look at other people who are living out their calling successfully, and you'll say, you're not doing it right. The disciples actually came to Jesus one time and said, hey, this guy's coming and he's preaching in your name and he's healing, but he's not a part of us. Jesus says, if he's teaching in my name and he's casting out demons, and he's getting people saved, leave him alone. Some of us really just need to leave other churches alone. Let them do it. If we could actually see the church as a global body, we wouldn't be so concerned, number one, about having equal pieces of our pie chart. We need to have 35% evangelism, 35% teaching, preaching, prophet. We need to have it all equal. We would be okay to say, hey, this is who we are. We're going to have everything demonstrated, but one may be bigger. And I'm going to trust the church down the street who has a heart for evangelism. It's all going to work together. Some of this has to do with competition between pastors, if I'm honest. Pastors think that like, if they're bringing more people, all right, we're not going to get on that. I'm getting, I, I feel like sometimes people are sliding the soapbox under my feet and I just kind of step on it and it just feels so good. But I need to learn to like not do that all the time, okay? <laughs> but it's okay. We see this in the life of Peter and Paul. I'm gonna land this plane right here for this part and we're gonna get onto the meat. Peter and Paul, um, two different people, totally different people, powerful ministries. Paul to the, uh, to the Gentiles and Peter to the Jews. One actually provided for himself in ministry, Paul, by building tents, and Peter had the church provide for him. Completely different ways of doing ministry. The Lord both sanctified it. Even Paul in his own ministry had different ways. He said, he, I think he said to the church at Corinth, he said, I didn't come to you with reasonings, but I came to you in power. And other times we see him arguing with the Greek scholars in the square with reasoning. So there doesn't need to be one expression for every church. Does that make sense? Every church needs to find their heart, what God has called them to do, and embrace that. Amen? So I want to just release a little bit of that in the room. If you're feeling like, hey, 
we do a lot of this. We don't do a lot of that. Like, stop. Stop. It's okay. Paul did call out Peter because he said, hey, you're not, a, you're, not, you're not recognizing Gentile believers. He said, you need to fix that. So we will have everything demonstrated, but they may not all be equal. And that's okay because we're being true to who we are. Amen? All right. Praise God. Now we're past that. I want to get into um, uh, what it means to be a Levite. You've heard us talking about this for quite a while now. And I want you to know that this is not, like I said earlier, this is not just high spiritual language. This, is, this has real application for your life today. This is what it means to, to, to lead a Levitical lifestyle really has little to do with what happens on Sunday mornings and in a prayer room. It does, but it's a lot bigger than that. And I really feel like if we limit it to just those expressions, those moments, we do ourselves a disservice and we do the Lord a disservice of the richness and deepness he's actually calling us as a body into. Amen? And so I want to look at that really quick. And the Levitical lifestyle is just that it's a lifestyle. This is something that you don't come and do. It's not a Levitical employment. It's a Levitical lifestyle. This is something you take home with you. You know, we talk a lot about um, there's so few churches who minister unto him or make a place where he's feel comfortable. There's actually a lot of fewer households that do the same thing. There's few churches that are places like Bethany where Jesus said he could come and recline. How many actual households make that in their home? Where a husband and wife or, or whoever makes a place where the Lord feels comfortable to come and sit. And I feel like, if I'm being honest, the ultimate goal is not just for us to create a place like this for the Lord to dwell, but us to create a place like this for the Lord to dwell. Because if we can actually get, a, get the separation of like when we come here, we minister to him, and more of like when I come here, I minister to him, then we can actually take him out into the community. Like it, this, this, the, the, the delineation of like ministry only happens when these four walls will break down because I will realize that I am not an, I don't create an altar for him here. I am an altar for him. And we're going to dive into this a little bit, but we, I don't minister unto the Lord on a Tuesday morning or Wednesday night or Sunday morning, which I want you guys to come because the Lord does do something significant when two or three are gathered in my name. He moves he moves nations and, and th he, it's possible, okay? But there's a greater reality to where I realize that my Levitical lifestyle has more to do with a time slot and more to do with my life fully given to him, amen? This is some of the stuff we want to teach in the school. Like, so if you're feeling this, like I would encourage you to like pray about signing up for the school. Like this is, this is, uh, this is where we're going as a body. All right, so I got to stay on setting on task. I'm getting really sidetracked today. So we're not just Levites at church or prayer room. We're, uh, we're, we're at the home as well. I, I want to go ahead and, and dive into my scripture. So if you have it, I think I have it up there. Numbers eight. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to numbers eight. We're going to start in verse five. Amen. And there's a lot of ways this can kind of play itself out with you at your home. And I really just want to give you one way. I'm going to kind of talk, I want to teach a little bit about and open the scriptures up to what being a Levite really is and like what it has and some of the spiritual ramifications for your life. And at the very end, I want to land with a practical way in your home that you can host the Lord. Amen. All right. So in Numbers 8, And we are, I'm going to read out of the NIV. I don't like to, but I'm going to have to today because it's the best translation for what we're going to do. All right. Are we up there? Getting there. Perfect. Okay. This is Numbers 8. Um, they're setting up and they're establishing the, the Levitical uh, uh, ministry. Okay. And, and Moses and Aaron are, are doing this. And the Lord is speaking to them of how to set up the Levitical ministry, basically what the Levite's life is going to look like, okay? So we're starting in verse five of Numbers eight, okay? All right, here we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the Levites from among all the Israelites and make them ceremonially clean. 
To purify them, do this. Sprinkle the water of cleansing on them. Then have them shave their whole bodies and wash their clothes. And so they will purify themselves. Have them take a young bull with its grain offering of the finest flour mixed with olive oil. Then you are to take a second bull for the sin offering. Bring the Levites to the front of the tent of meeting and assemble the whole Israelite community. You are to bring the Levites before the Lord and the Levites are to lay their hands on them. Aaron is to present the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from before the Lord, uh, from, the Evi- from, the Le- from the Israelites so that they may be ready to do the work of the Lord. Then the Levites are to lay their hands on the heads of the bulls using one for sin offering for the, to the Lord and the other for a burnt offering to make atonement for the Levites. Have the Levites stand in front of Aaron as his sons and his sons and present them as a wave offering to the Lord. In this way, you are to set the Levites apart from the other Israelites and the Levites will be mine. After you have purified the Levites and presented them as a wave offering, they are to come to do the work of the tent at the tent of meeting. They are the Israelites who have been given holy to me. I have taken them as my own in place of the firstborn, the first male offspring from every Israelite woman. Every firstborn male in Israel, whether human or animal, is mine. When I struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, I set them apart for myself. And I have taken the Levites in place of all the firstborn sons in Israel. From among, we're about, we're going to land here in 19. From among all the Israelites, I have given the Levites as gifts to Aaron and his sons to do the work at the tent of meeting on behalf of the Israelites and to make atonement for them so that no plague will strike the Israelites and go near their sanctuary. That was a lot, okay? Uh, And this is one of those scriptures, I'm just being honest, that especially in the Old Testament, especially in Numbers, uh, that we can read over and be like, whew, I'm glad I got past that. But, <laughs> amen, come on. You know about Job, those in parts of Job. Whoo, that's a long conversation with him and his friends. Um, come on, guys, the jokes won't get better than this. Um, <laughs> but if we allow the Holy Spirit to kind of open our eyes, I really feel this has application for where we are as a house. And I want to dive in. I want to kind of take apart this scripture a little bit and kind of show you there's some powerful symbolism happening in this scripture. Um, how many of you know that when God sent his son to die and kind of instituted this thing we call salvation and baptism and all this sort of stuff, this was not a new plan that he had. I mean, there's no plan A, plan B. This was the same thing that had been happening through history. Now I just had a different lens to it. Amen? And we're about to dive in. I want to show you what's happening with the Levites in this scripture. But you're about to see this looks a lot similar to the things that we walk through today as Christians when we bring somebody into salvation and sanctification. All right, so let's go back to the beginning at verse 5. He says, The Lord said to Moses, Take the Levites from among all the Israelites and make them ceremonially clean. To purify them, do this. Sprinkle the water of cleansing on them. Okay, back up. Take them from all the tribes, from every tribe and every tongue. <laughs> You're about to get ready. There's about, there's about to be like revelation hitting you right now. This scripture is packed with prophetic imagery of things that are going to come when Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom. Take them from, because what you really realize is this church is not really called to be a Levitical community as much as the entire body of Christ is called to be a Levitical community. It's called to minister under him out of every tribe and of every tongue. He said, take, all the, take the Levites from every tribe of Israelites and bring them to me. What does he say next? Sprinkle them with water. What is water? The washing of the word. Come on. It's the washing of the word. Many of you, when you came to Christ, it came from either a prophetic word or the word of God being read over you, and it washes your soul. I like to think of it like this. Because when we were dead in sin, we were dead in sin, and we can't really see. But the Lord has this picture. He says... 
that in that moment, he shines the light of his face on a heart. And it's almost like the mud is scraped away and you can see clearly for a brief second. Do you remember that moment in your life? where you were sitting in the seat and that you could see clearly for a second. Maybe you're, you were getting ministered to in a bar, praise God. And you could see clearly for a second because the light of his face shined on your heart and the word actually washed some of the scales from your eyes. Oh, come on. So yeah, the washing of the water to purify, to cleanse them. Then they shall shave their hair. Oh, we got razor. Do you got the razors for us, Steve? We're I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, to shave the hair of their body and to wash their clothes. What does that speak of? It speaks of the old man. It speaks of the old things going away and the new things coming to being washed, being redeemed. We think about the prodigal son who came, had a new cloak put on him. Or the beggar who, who, um, who put off his begging clothes and had new clothes. Okay, there is something significant about you put, turning away from the old ways and looking different on the outside. Amen? I understand like we, we were talking about earlier about the outside of the cup being clean, but there is something about your outside actually reflects, reflects the inside. And so the washing and the cleansing of their robes represented them being made new. Okay, let's keep going. And so they will purify themselves. Have them take a young bull with its grain offering of the finest flour mixed with olive oil. Then you are to take a second young bull for the sin offering. Let's keep reading. Bring the Levites to the front of the tent of meeting and assemble the whole Israelite community. You are to bring the Levites before the Lord and the Israelites are to lay their hands on them. This is really significant. So they, we, we, they've brought two bulls. They brought some bread made from olive oil. And they're bringing, they're about to sacrifice them. But before they do, they do something significant. They bring, what they used to do when they would sacrifice things, they would take them in front of the whole Israelite community. They would sacrifice them and they would burn them. And then you know, that's how they would do it. It would be a cleansing over the entire people. They bring the bulls, but before they sacrifice the bulls, they do something. They bring actually the Levites. They bring them before the whole entire congregation. And they lay, the priests lay their hands on them. What does that mean? Why do they lay their hands on them? Like, hey, good job, buddy. You're about to have a cool, you know, you're about to work in the temple or something. No, it really signifies, it harkens back to sacrifices. When the priest would bring a bull to sacrifice for the sin of the community, what would they do to transfer the sin? They would lay their hands on it. This would be a signal that this thing is wholly consecrated unto the Lord. That this is his and his alone. That this will be offered up as a burnt offering unto him, holy and given, fully given unto the Lord. They bring the, Le they bring the Levites themselves and they lay their hands on them. What does this have to do with? This is the Lord saying, these are mine. These people are given fully to me. And please don't disconnect. This has, the Lord is inviting you right now into this encounter, into this reality. He's asking you, would you put yourself before the people? Would you allow me to lay my hands on you? Because Jesus is our high priest. And would you allow me to say, this is mine, given to me for the work of the ministry. Not just pastors, but you given to the ministry of his heart. You understand what's happening here? Let's keep, let's keep opening the scripture. All right. Oh, that hit me this morning. You are to bring the Levites of the Lord and the other hand. Okay. Um, bring the Levites and the whole of You are to bring the Levites before the Lord and they lay their hands on them. Aaron is to be, this is verse 11. Aaron is to present the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Levites. What is a, a wave offering? It sounds like they, hey, they didn't do that. Um, but what they would, a wave offering was two things. It was about commitment and it was about service, really like servitude. And so what happens is they would usually present a piece of bread 
or something like that. And they would wave it, literally wave it before the Lord on a, on a regular, when they would be doing regular sacrifices. But the Lord chose in this moment to actually, on in the institution of the Levitical priesthood, he actually chose to present the Levites themselves as a wave offering. Literally waving them before the people saying, this is the Lord's. This is his. This is nobody else's. They don't have a life of their own. You read this so much in Leviticus and other places in Deuteronomy that the Levites had no land. It says they had no inheritance. When, when they took and when they, when they divided up the land, when Joshua came and divided up the land of promise, he gave some to each tribe. But he said the Levites would have no inheritance, but their inheritance would be the Lord. This may be for like four people in here, but that's okay. Their inheritance would be for the Lord. And the, and the only thing that they could hold on to to say that like, because for an Israelite, the land would be something to pass on to their children. You understand? It would make you money and revenue. It would be an inheritance. But for the Levites, the only inheritance they would leave their children is their relationship with the Lord. Is, there an, is the equity they had built in his presence. So the... You are being grafted into a body where the inheritance you give to your children is tears in the carpet, is oil bought in the presence. This is the inheritance you are leaving your children. Understand money, you can't take it with you. What you can take with you is history with him. Oh, come on. The Lord is inviting you into a place where your inheritance is him. I think about my own children and I think about um, Madeline and Henry about that. I can leave one day history with the Lord for them. That they would have something that I could give them and it's physical and it's real and they can really touch it and they can really use it. And it's my hours spent in his presence. (sighs) And they'll give it to their children and their children And one day when they don't even remember my name, they'll be passing on treasures that I've built up in heaven for them. This is the call that you've been bought into. This is the thing that you've been, you were presented as a wave offering in front of the people that says, this is mine and his inheritance is me. Oh, come on. Thank you, Lord. I don't know where I left off. Praise God. Verse 11. I need Marcus here. Praise God. Um, Then the Levites are to lay their, oh, this gets intense, are to lay their heads, hands on the heads of the bulls, using one for a sin offering to the Lord and the other for a burnt offering. What the sin offering would be is when they they would kill a bull and then that would be for the Levites and the ministry, the, 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 the priests to eat it. Okay, this, this, simple, this signifies the, the partaking of his body. Amen? The partaking of that which was crucified. Like I told you, this is nothing, there's nothing new. This is, this, this is Jesus woven throughout the scriptures. This, this is why he said the scriptures speak of me. He wasn't joking. It, didn't say, it wasn't a tweetable catchphrase. It was truth. The scriptures speak of me. He was the bull that the priests have been eating for thousands of years. And it says that he was, a. then they would take the burnt offering. What was the burnt offering? It would literally be a bull they would burn. And that was not for the priests or the Levites. That was purely for himself. That was for the incense to rise up to the Lord. It's, it signified the sacrifice. It signified the death of sin to cleanse the people. Amen? Come on, let's keep going. Praise God. Whew. 13, have the Levites stand in front of Aaron and his sons and present them as a wave offering to the Lord. Oh, come on. In this way, you are to set the Levites apart from the other Israelites and the Levites will be mine. I want you to say something. I want you to say, I am his. Say it again. I am his. I am his. Come on. You're his. There's something about the Levitical lifestyle. There's something about the Levitical call that says this. I am his. He is mine. 
I don't have a life of my own. If there's one thing that you could like leave here with, one thing that I could let you leave, it would be this, that I am his. He owns me. What is the wave offering talking about? It literally is signifying he owns me. I have nothing. Part of the reason, and I hope we, we may get into this in ministry time today, part of the reason why when we come to the Lord, we withhold is because we feel that when we, when we become his, he will be an unfaithful steward of what we've given him. That he will misuse us. He will abuse us. And some of you have actually been misused and abused by people who even are called pastor or called priest or called whatever. And the Lord wants you to, the Lord wants you to know this morning that he says, I'm not that person. I'm not your dad who neglected you, who abused you. I'm not your mom who looked over you. I'm a heavenly father who wants good. I birthed you. I spoke you into existence. I know what's best for you. You can trust me. If there's one thing my wife and I are learning in this season, it's that simple phrase. You can trust me. And that's way easier said than an amen. Those of you who have taken leaps of faith before, it's not always easy, but you can trust me. Our life is his. After 15, after you have purified the Levites and presented them as a wave offering, they are to come to do their work at the tent of meeting. They are the Israelites who are to be given holy to me. Say holy to me. I have taken them as my own place of the firstborn. We got to look at this. At the firstborn, the first male offspring from every Israelite woman. Every firstborn male in Israel, whether human or animal, is mine. When I struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, I set them apart for myself. And I have taken the Levites in place of all the firstborn sons of Israel. What is he talking about? This is like... This is 40 some odd years, maybe more, after the Lord had come upon Egypt. You remember this story. And the death angel came and he took all the firstborn sons from the Egyptians, all the people who were living there, and even the cattle and all that sort of stuff. He took all of them as a plague on the Egyptians. But what did he say for the Israelites? You take a hyssop branch and you dip it in lamb's blood and you mark your door. And the death angel will pass over you because you are marked with the blood of the lamb. But the Lord is saying here, he's saying, but I had set them apart then. These people, the Levitical people, because we know this, the people who entered into the land, most of them are dead now because now this is the new land. And so they, he is actually seeing people, some of them before they were even born. And he said, I had set them apart for my work and I am not going to kill them, but in a sense, their life will be forfeit, given wholly to me to do the work of the ministry. This is powerful. A Levitical life is one of sacrifice. This is an ugly word in the church. It's one of sacrifice. It's one of not having my own ambitions, but fully giving myself to what he wants. He's saying that, that I, I, I passed over the Israelites and I'm going to spare the community as a whole, but I will take this remnant from every tribe and every tongue and they will be giving as a blessing to the other people. This sounds like what the Lord said to Abraham, he will be a blessing unto nations. This is actually a prophetic picture of you, that you would be a blessing to the region you're planted in. That your Levitical service unto the Lord would cause him to bless the region. That he would pull you out of a place of a tribe and people, and that you would give your life into service unto the Lord in a place like this, in a place like this. And what would happen is that a people around you will be blessed. Jesus talked about these. He says, you are leaven. 
You are salt. I am dispersing you throughout the community, throughout the earth, and the whole bread will rise because you are with, you are in it. Your service to the Lord has immediate and direct impact on the lost people around you. Whether you are abiding in him has an impact on the publics you walk into. Some of you don't believe this, but it's true. I've had people walk up to me and says, and it's hard to tell me their life story. And then ask for prayer. And I'm working for Nabisco stacking Oreos. I'm like, I'm just trying to get through Saturday. But they sense the anointing. They sense the pool. They sense the oil. And they, what it is, is the, it's the balm of Gilead. And they sense healing. And they sense the waters being stirred. Your ministry to the Lord has a direct impact because he has pulled you out to put you back in. Oh, thank you, Lord. From all the Israelites, I have given the Levites as gifts to Aaron and his son to do the work of the tent. Verse 20. Oh, I'm sorry. No, this is the word. Verse 19. I have given them the Levites as gifts of Aaron and his sons to do the work at the tent on behalf of the Israelites to make atonement for them so that no plague will strike the Israelites when they go into their sanctuary. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close here. How, how does the Levitical lifestyle, how will that manifest in your life? How does that man, what does that look like when you go home today? When you're on Monday morning or Tuesday afternoon or whatever it is, what does that look like? I want to give you one simple, simple tool, simple um, revelation that I think will help. This is something that I have personally walked through in this past season when my wife and I were going through a dark season. Tiffany was depressed and struggling and had anxiety and the enemy was just attacking her and the Lord showed me something and it has to do with this verse is it still up there yes keep it up there it says where are we at verse 19 can we go to verse 19 oh it's, I'm sorry it's right there yeah um to do the work of the children of Israel in the tabernacle I'm missing it here maybe it's not maybe it's a different version but in my in the, in the NIV it says on behalf of the children of Israel. So understand this. The Levitical call was to come and to minister unto the Lord. But in their ministry to the Lord, they would also do it on behalf of the people. So think about it like this. Their ministry would bless the Lord and then it would overflow to the people around them. I want to invite you into something this morning. I want to invite you into the reality that your simple ministry to the Lord, whether it looks like private time in the morning or prayer during the day or just communion or obedience has an overflow type effect on the people around you. I recognize this. There would be days or weeks when my wife and our, and our house was, it was, it was struggling and and, and, and I don't want this to feel, I don't want this to seem like a yoke. It's just truth. Where she couldn't connect to the Lord through herself. She couldn't feel him. And the Lord showed me that my intimacy with him would provide a place for her to connect with him. My fragrance of my intimate worship provided an atmosphere for her to hear from the Lord. She, she couldn't be in a place. My son, when he's struggling with anxiety and frustrations, he can't be in a place where he can connect with the Lord. But my fragrance can invite him. So for you, as a husband, as a wife, as a son, as a daughter, as an employee, your fragrance impacts the people around you. And your oil that you buy with him can invite them in into an encounter with the Lord. That's the Levitical lifestyle, is we minister to him on behalf of him and on behalf of the people around us. Our life is a sacrifice for the people around us and unto the Lord. And as a people, what I feel for this house, praise God. 
is for us to offer up oil for this region. It's for churches in this area to benefit from our intercession and our adoration poured out at the feet of Jesus. When Mary dumped her alabaster box, her jar on the feet of Jesus, everybody in the room could smell it. Everybody went home and had the dinner that night smelling the sweet perfume. When we pour our oil on his feet, the people around us benefit. And some of them will come into contact with a savior they never knew before because you poured your oil out here on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning, at your house at 6.30 in the morning, whatever. I wanna encourage you to create patterns of pouring your oil, of fellowshipping, of prayer, of reading your word, of loving him. It will impact the people around you. I notice a difference when my relationship with the Lord is concrete when we are when we are synchronization when I am loving on him continually my house is different some of you have felt this and when I get disconnected from that things can kind of get wonky it gets hazy people get bitter they get snippy I get snippy my kids get aggravated but when I can stay connected there's a peace that comes because my oil has impact on the people around me amen would you stand Like I said, if I could leave you with one thing today is that you are his. You are his. And your life is given to him for the work of the ministry. And not ministry at a church, but ministry unto his heart. I want to invite Prophetic Company up. They're going to minister in a little bit. Do you have something you want to share, baby? Okay. They're going to minister in a little bit. But I just want to pray. I want to seal this word. And that you would be invited into holy service, fully given to him. And that it would be a joy. That your inheritance would be him. Let's pray. Lord. We love you. Father, we lay our lives on the altar this morning. God, I thank you, even just for the invitation, Lord, to give a life of sacrifice to you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, you would seal this word in the hearts of the people. And Father, those who feel like I can't obtain that or I'm worried about what I would lose, I pray the breath of God would breathe on their hearts. Oh Lord, you're worthy. You're better than anything we could ever have from this world, Lord.